Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, when I was growing up, I don't remember the age. I was trying to think about it. I think it was either between the ages of 10 and 12. I remember growing up, and this is one of those conversations that you have that really sticks with you. I remember, guys, a conversation that I had with my dad. I remember having this conversation, and it was a conversation about friends. And it wasn't that conversation where he was saying, well, your friends are this and your friends are that. We were just having this casual conversation about friends. And I remember in this conversation, my dad looked at me very sincerely and he said, you know what, there's a difference between friends and acquaintances. Friends and acquaintances. Dad, what are you, what are you talking about? And I remember asking him, well, Dad, let me ask you a question. I said, Dad, how many friends do you have? How many friends? And he looked at me, and I'll never forget this. He turns to me, and again, with all the love, and he tells me that he had, he had very few, quote-unquote, friends. He says, but I have, he says, I have many acquaintances. And then I thought, well, what's the difference? I mean, isn't like an acquaintance somebody a friend? And, or we just kind of generalize all of this friend? And my, fi- my wise father went on to tell me the difference between a real friend and an acquaintance. You go, well, like what? Well, I remember sitting down, and I remember having this conversation, and I remember him telling me, first and foremost, he said, a true friend is one who loves you no matter what. That's a true friend. Who loves you no matter what. And Wow. And then he looked at me and he said, a true friend is one who honors you and respects you. Yeah, this is is deep. He said, a true friend is someone who knows, listen, all your weaknesses and flaws. And he doesn't bat an eye to them and he loves you the same. He knows everything about you. He He knows all your shortcomings. He knows when you fall. He knows everything. And he loves you just the same. He says, that's a true friend. And he went on to tell me in our conversation that day that a true friend is one who sticks with you not only in the good times, but also in the bad times. A true friend is someone who, when you're hurting, will come and not maybe say anything to you, not I told you, what are you doing, how come you're doing this, but a true friend looks at you and says, I'm here with you no matter what, because I believe in you. A true friend. A true friend. My dad went on to tell me the very last thing about... about Friendship and acquaintances, he went on to tell me, and I'll never forget this. He says, a true friend doesn't talk bad about you behind your back. And that was it. And it's one of those conversations in your heart where you, you, you know you file it in there and you think about it. And, and as I brought up the text today, I thought, wow, Lord, put that back in my heart, this conversation with my dad. And here's why, guys. Listen, church, there's a big difference between a true friend and an acquaintance. A true friend and an acquaintance. You go, well, Ben, give me the definition. Let's, let's, let's dig through this. Well, Mr. Webster defines it like this. A friend is a person whom one knows, okay, with whom one has a bound of mutual affection. This is a friend. Typically exclusive of intimacy or uh, family relations. So it's a true friend. It's someone you know. And, and again, it, it explains a lot of what we are. A true friend. Someone who knows you. Someone who knows every single gray hair you have. Or none of the hair that you have and still loves you. That's what Webster defines it. But then Webster also defines an acquaintance. Check this out. An acquaintance is a person one knows slightly, slightly. 
but who is not a close friend. You meet someone for the first time and become only slightly familiar. That's an acquaintance. So we have the difference between a true friend and an acquaintance. Guys, in our text today, guys, what we're going to learn today, we see that Jesus is going to look at us and say, I no longer call you servants, even though we are. Can I get an amen? Jesus is going to call us friends. He's going to call us friends. Now, we need to set the scene in our minds and in our hearts. We need to feel the weight of what's going on. Remember, they had left the upper room, all that that went down. You remember, they're a, little bit, they're a little bit anxious, a little bit worried. There's some anxiety going on. And Jesus says, hey, don't stress, don't worry, okay? Stop doing that. I've got you. I've got the Holy Spirit coming, all of that, okay? So now they're walking across the Temple Mount. They're going to go over the Kidron Valley, and they're going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, Okay? If you go to Israel today, there's not a bridge over the Kidron Valley anymore. There's actually a big road and cars go... But if you stand on the, if you stand on the uh, uh, Mount of Olives, you can see the Garden of Gethsemane down here. And you can actually see the valley that goes across it. Jesus would be walking, heading to the, what? the Garden of Gethsemane. Here's what you want to write down. He knows he's about 18 hours away from dying on the cross. He's about 18 hours away from dying on the cross for all the sins of mankind. And so he does what any loving Savior would do. He continues to pour truth into his disciples. Disciples. Now remember, guys, feel the weight of this. Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. And yet at this time, I don't know about you, but if I was 18 hours away from my demise, I don't know what I would be doing. I don't know if I would be pouring truth into anyone or would I be freaking out. Jesus is going to pour truth into his disciples. He knows this is not the end. And of course, we got to learn some truths, guys, and apply them to our lives. You go, what were they? Jesus begins chapter 14. He begins to teach the disciples about fruitfulness, okay? And he illustrates the teaching with four key elements. You guys remember this? He says it right here. Number one, the vine, okay? The vine is Jesus. He's the true vine. And he uses the word true because maybe at that time there were a lot of false vines coming up going, I'm the Meshach, I'm the Messiah, I'm going to save Israel, okay? Why? Because they often thought political. They often thought we need to get out of the oppression of Rome, and so we need a savior. Jesus says, I am the true vine. He is the vine. Then he says, and my father, God the Father, is the vine dresser. He is the one who owns the vineyard. He is the vine dresser. He is the one that works and cultivates. He is the expert farmer, vine dresser. He is, he is the vine dresser. Everybody got that. And then we learned that we are the branches. Remember, we had you turn to each other and say, I'm a branch, you're a branch, we're branches, right? So that's, that's what he says. He says, branches are, that would be us. Okay, you go, okay, I'm a branch. I'm a branch. And then the fourth element was fruit, guys, fruit. Now, I want to paint a picture here to help you. In the context, remember, he's walking, and he says, now he's the vine, we are the branches. Now, in the context, guess what he's talking about? He's talking about a vineyard, he's talking about grapes, okay? That's what would would come off the vine, grapes. He would be walking through Grapes were just all over Israel. They're grown all over here. They were used for the economy. I mean, it was just a big staple in Jerusalem and all of Israel. Everybody got that, okay? He's talking about grapes. But the fruit for us in 2018 would be love, supernatural love, okay? Why? Because in the context that Jesus has been speaking to us in the last couple of chapters, he's been really reiterating love, how we need to love each other. 
how we need to be, how we need to be as disciples by the love we have. And so again, we see that, so it's supernatural for us. Now, as I was thinking about this, my brain starts to move. Now, before we get into our text, I, I would like to, if you don't mind, offer you some amazing hope for your prayer life and for your life. You go, cool, I'm in. Here's the thing, guys. I was thinking about this. I know in life we all struggle. We all have these, oh, man. And, and we know that life can go from, hey, I think things are pretty good, to, man, they got hectic. Man, they got hard. I don't understand what's going on. Things that things like, like don't always go our way. Whether it might be career, in relationships, it might be whatever it might be, we just feel like, oh, I know for us that some of it was like life is hard because of sickness. Okay? Like sickness and, 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 and divorce and, hey, cancer. And then, of course, the little things we don't even think about, like worry and fear and stress about tomorrow. What's tomorrow going to bring? What's the world going down? I and we often feel helpless. There's a lot of us who do that. It's in those times, listen to me, church, it's in those times that we cry out to Jesus. That we cry out to Jesus. Can I get an amen for that? Why? Because he's the God, he's the God who, who heals our hearts. He's the God who heals our pains. You go, Pastor, okay, I'll cry out to Jesus. But here's what I want you to see. I can sit there and I go, okay, church, you ready? When, when, when we're hurting, cry out to the Lord, pray. And you go, amen, Ben, and then we'll move on. But here's what I don't want to do. Guys, I don't want to just slap what I call a Band-Aid verse onto life's major crisis. Things go bad in our life and somebody gives you verse. Hey, how about a verse? How about a verse? And we use them as band-aids. I want to, here's what I want to do. As I began to think, I said, I want to give you some evidence, something tangible that you can digest so the next time that life hits you hard, you go, okay, I know who my Jesus is. You guys with me? Okay, before we get into our text, I want you to see something. I want you to jot down in your notes that Jesus, okay, our Jesus, our Savior, our Savior is not bound by time or space like man is. He is not bound by time or space. Okay, think about it. You go, what do you mean? Okay, here's where it gets good. Here's where it gets interesting. When we pray, when life hits, when we feel like we're in an ocean and life is, is hitting us one wave after another, one wave after another, one wave after another... Guys, when we pray, the Bible tells us that we need to pray. How, church? We need to pray, okay, believing. We need to stand and believe. God, I believe who you are. I believe you can do this. Yet, in our prayer, oftentimes we pray, but they're hindered by time and space. Time and space? Yeah. For example, if you were diagnosed with a really, really terminal sickness, would you not want Jesus to be on earth so you could go see him and him being the great physician go, Lord, would you just heal me? I wish he was here. That would be, that would be space, okay? But you go, but Ben, he's in heaven. He, he ascended. We're, we're, our, my prayers feel like they're hindered by what? By, by time and by space. And here's what I want. I need healing. But the doctor said it might take nine months to a year for me to even be healed. And so, and so again, I'm hindered. Okay. Okay. So, so oftentimes we feel like our prayer life is hindered, but I don't want to give you just a band-aid verse. Here's what I want you to do. I want to unpack this and then we'll jump into our text. Okay. 
how do I unpack this? What is Jesus talking about right now? Jesus is talking about the vine, right? He says, I am the vine, you are the branches, you're going to bear fruit, and he's, and he's illustrating with what? With grapes. Grapes. Everybody say grapes. Okay? You, you know that's what he's talking about, okay? And I started thinking about this, and I was like, dun, 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 dun. Right? I started thinking about you, like, okay, what are, what are you doing? Listen, here's what I see. If you recall the story in John chapter 2, the very first miracle, do you remember what Jesus did? Uh, let me see, Ben. He turned water into wine. Where does wine come from? Grapes. Okay. Wow. Well, what did he do? If you're taking note, do you see what Jesus did here when he did his very first miracle? We, we missed it when we went through it, but he actually compressed time. You go, what? Yeah, here's what I want you to think about. Jesus compresses time because for you to have a really, 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 really good bottle of wine... Okay, that vine has to be cultivated and it has to bear, it has to bring grapes every year for at least five to six years. Okay, the first year is, oh, oh, not, not that great. But after about, and if you want a really, 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 really good bottle, it, it could take up to 10 years of cultivating, okay? And then you get, you, the, how, how long have you had this vineyard? 10 years. Oh, taste the grapes, right? And then we taste the grapes, we smash them. What do we do? Even more time happens before you can actually have a good, you go, Ben, why are you talking about wine? Because what did Jesus do? In John chapter 2, remember, he said, fill up that with water, and he made the wine so good that when the, when the, the uh, headmaster comes, he says, what is this? This is so good. Everybody else puts the good wine first, and when the people are drunk, they just bring out the, because they don't care when they're drunk. After they're drunk, they don't taste anything. But before, when they're, hey, this is good. He goes, you save the good wine for last. You see what Jesus did here, guys? In a beautiful way, he compressed, he compressed time. For what reason? Guys, think about this. He compressed time in order to save a wedding couple from humiliation when they ran out of wine. And the wine that Jesus brought was better than anyone that they had served from the beginning. Okay? And what Jesus did, guys, is the miracle was showing his disciples that he, and us, he was the Lord of time. You guys, you catch that? He compressed time, five, six, ten. He, he just did that, boom, water, now wine, good wine. He compressed that, and he made that water. He is the Lord of time, but he's also the Lord of space. You go, what do you mean? The same, another second miracle in Cana where he was, okay? So the first was in Cana at a wedding, but the second miracle, do you guys remember what he did? It's actually in John chapter 4. He heals a boy from Cana. Do you guys remember? It was the nobleman's son. The nobleman's son come to him, and, and all of a sudden he says, my son, you know, he's dying. Can you do something? Please. And Jesus says, well, I'll come. He says, no, you don't have to. And here's the thing, guys. He just said, what did he say? In verse 50 of chapter 4, he says, go your way, your son lives. What did he do? He compressed space. Not only did he compress time, he compressed space. And I thought, this just blew my mind, man. This blew my mind. You go, why? Here's the point. You ready? Jot this down. 
Jesus is the Lord of time and space, you can believe that even now as you pray, there is evidence that even though Jesus is in heaven right now, he can heal you. He can heal those things that maybe the doctor says, hey, or what? I mean, he can do that, right? Because why? Well, there is no space between him and us. There is no space. And sometimes we go, man, God, you feel like you're far, far away. He's not because he can press space and he's with us every single day. And I think that's great evidence to walk in this life because I need to know that when I get up tomorrow morning that my Jesus is going to be right there. I need to know that. I need to walk and go, okay, Jesus, I don't want to serve a God who's so far, far away that has nothing to know who, what my life is all about. I want him to go, okay, you ready to go out today? Yes, sir, Lord, I'm ready. You lead the way. You lead the way. I think he's also the Lord of compressing time. Compressing time. He is the Lord of time. And that's what I think when time happens, when people go, hey, I thought you said this Jesus was going to come back. People have been saying that. 88 reasons in 88 with Jesus coming back. And, and then now you guys, you guys got a little cuckoo. Last year when, when you said the stars were all lining, where's your Jesus? It's like, he's, but he's the Lord of time. He'll come when he's ready. And he'll come. And I was, we were praying that this morning and I was thinking, Across the world right now, how many people are surrendering their lives to Jesus? And yes, we as believers, we want to go home. Amen? Amen. We want to go home. And uh, this is not our home. So in essence, we're homeless. We're just renting. We're homeless. Uh, And I know selfishly I said I want to go home right now. But I think what of all the people that, that are going to come to know the Lord today? Tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. There's so many people that are still coming to Jesus that my God loves them so much. He goes, listen, I'll wait. Ben, you can wait. You can wait. You can rent for just a little bit longer. And I said, yes, Lord. Because he is. He is. Here's the point. Ready? Can I just give you something tangible? Like Next time you go through a crisis of faith, remember that your Jesus is the Lord of time and space. He can press that. He can be with you right there. You don't, he's, not, he's not distant in, in, in a book, and he's not distant some, off in the stars. God is with you. He's with you. And to him, time and space, he's just the Lord over that. Can I get an amen? amen? So last week, last week, guys, we left off with what? Well, the title of the message was, The Apple Doesn't Fall Far from the Tree. And we talked about what we talked about becoming more like Jesus in our life. And I think that's the goal. We used it again, guys. I want you to think of progressive sanctification. Progressive means you start here and you're going to progressively throughout your life be more and more like Jesus every week, every year, every month, uh, so forth. You're going to grow to be like him. There are times that progressive road is very hard. There's rocks, there's cactus, there's, there's, it's not very smooth, it's uphill, and you go, ah, this life. Are you, Jesus? And then there's times where you go, okay, it's a little bit, it's a little bit flat. I'm going to, I'm okay. I'm okay. (sighs) And I I believe God does that in our lives so that we can catch our breath. Don't you? And then he'll say, okay, now you got a hill coming. No, I don't want to. And then we go, how many of us turn back and go, I'm going to go back. I want to go back. He's like, no, no, you're not going back. You're not going back. Okay. He says, uh, we want to be more like him progressively. We want to become like Jesus. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And here's what we learned. You guys remember? We learned that we must abide in him. We must stay connected to him. If you want to be effective in ministry, in your life, 
stay connected to Jesus. Stay connected. I think when I hear that term connected, I often think, you know, like you're, you're plugging something into an outlet, right? You're plugging. And uh, have you ever like been vacuuming or using an appliance and you plug it in and it somehow comes off just a little bit? It looks plugged in, but you don't have the power. Like what's, wait, hold on, right? Hold on. You go back and you, oh, it wasn't getting a full connection. And I think that's a lot of people today. There's a lot of people in the world. You know, they call themselves Christians, but they're a little bit off. They're not, they're not really connected. And, 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 and we need to lovingly go, hold on, hold on. Oh, oh, there's a power. There it is. Woo, man. Right? How does, a, how does a cord get disconnected from the outlet? How does a cord get? Usually by being pulled just a little bit away from. Are you guys getting that? Did you just receive that? Oftentimes, the world wants to pull you a little bit at a time and get you, oh, oh, disconnected from the power source. And so again, guys, that was, that was anointed because that's not even in my notes, but think about that. That's what he wants us. He wants us to stay connected to him. We learned last week as branches, we must abide. Today, guys, here's what we're going to learn. As friends, we must obey. So we're going to abide, and now we must obey. That's where we pick up our story, guys, in verse 12. Jesus is continuing. He talks to, he looks at his disciples, same thought. Look at verse 12. He says, and this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Okay? So think about it. When it comes to fruit, what, what, is, what does he want us to bear? He says, we're going we're gonna to bear fruit. We're going to bear more fruit. We're going to bear much fruit. What's that fruit that he wants us to bear? In context, it seems like he wants us to love people. That's what he's saying. He said, this is my commandment, that you love one another, right? Jesus makes it clear. He makes it crystal clear. He commands us to love one another in the way he loved us. Now, here's what I want you to know, guys. Look at verse 12. If you take a pencil and circle the word my, that is a Holy Spirit stress marker, okay? And what he's saying is he wants to bring stress to this, and he wants to make sure you understand that it's his commandment. This is my commandment. I'm not just speaking in general. This is not the law of the, of the prophets. This is what I am commanding. This is my commandment, right? What is the commandment? He says he commands us to love, to love, to love the way he loved, the way he loved. And, and here's what I love about Jesus, okay? Listen, when you think about the law, you guys know what the Pharisees did? They took 10 commandments and made 613 other commandments, other laws. They took 10 and made 613, and here's what Jesus does. Not only does he compress, not only is he compressed time and and he's the Lord of space, he also compresses all the the laws into one, doesn't he? You go, what do you mean? Think about it. This is what he does. He compresses all the law into one simple commandment. You ready? You want to know what the law is all about? Love one another. Love one another. Here's my thought. My thought is, if I was the enemy, what would I want to do? How would I want to distort this command? I would want to distort the term love. You see, for Paul, love might mean something else. For Lisa, love might mean something else. But I'm going to go over to Stephen. I'm going to make sure that I distort love for him. And then when the Bible comes and he says, hey, people will know you're my disciples by the love, everybody has a different view of what love is. And so Jesus is going, okay, I I know what he would do, so I want to make sure you understand that we need to love one another. And he's going to reiterate that and reiterate that and reiterate that, right? Because he did that in John chapter 13, verse 34. He says, a new commandment. Everybody got that? 
So if somebody asks you, how many commandments are in the Bible, what do you say? Eleven. Very good. He says, here's a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also want to He's just reiterating. He's just reiterating. Now, here's the thing. When the Word of God tells us one time, we should listen. But if the Lord Jesus tells us twice and even three times, he really means business. I want to obey because as friends, we are called to obey. So he says, the new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. When is he saying this? He's saying this on Thursday. This is, this is the day before Good Friday. We often know it as what? Maudy Thursday. Maudy Thursday. And so again, here's what he's saying. He's saying, after I washed your feet, after I showed you about love, after we had a good chat, he says, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. You go, what's that? He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Now, let's take a quick look, guys, at verse 12 again. Something very interesting, okay? Look at verse 12 real quick. This is my commandment. Everybody see that? That you love one another, right? Now say amen. Amen. As I have loved you. Did you catch that? You go, I'm not sure what you're looking at, Pastor. Did you see that I has loved you is past tense? It's past tense. You go, what does that mean? See, in our minds, we we look back to the cross and we go, oh, Jesus loved us. How do you know Jesus loved me? Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. Right? So we know that. But but we look back to the cross and we think, oh, you love me because you died on the cross for me. I I am a wretched, heathen, stinking, dirty, filthy sinner and you died for me. But here's what he's telling the guys. He hasn't gone to the cross yet. So what's he doing? He's saying, I want you to love as I have taught you these past three years. You go, what? Yeah, it's past tense. Jesus is reminding the gang to look back at all the ways that he loved and served people. Okay? Again, he hadn't gone to the cross, and he simply tells the disciples, I have been with you for three years. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to love people the way I loved people, the way I showed you how to love people. How? How, Lord? I want you to show mercy and grace and compassion. Guys, we got to get beyond the clothes. We got to get beyond the tats. We got to get beyond uh, beyond the nothingness to see that those are still created. Human people are still created in God's image. And, and I want to get there with you, but I want to look at people and go, God, you died for him the same as me. I never want to put them and us, and I'm a Christian, and we all have our holy huddle, and we sing Kumbaya, and it's all great. That's not what God has called us to do. He says we need to love people. We need to love people who are stinky, smelly, and unlovable. That's what we need to do because that's what's going to make a difference. That's what's going to make a difference. Guys, he says, I want, to, I want you to show mercy and compassion. I want you to show them grace. I want you to walk with them through what? The good times and the bad times. Man, as long as our friends are by and we're like, yeah, this is cool. Once they go through our time, we sort of, whoa, let's back up. That's not Jesus. Jesus is right there. He says, I want you to hold their arms when no one else will. How do we do that? How do we become true friends? Guys, a simple text of love. Hey, I'm praying for you. I love you, brother. I'm proud of you. How many guys just longed for their dad to tell them, I'm proud of you? Most guys, I just wanted my dad. I just wanted to make my dad proud. I just wanted to make my dad proud. And and we missed that. And so when somebody comes, I'm proud of you. Oh, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. How about this, guys? Jesus just cried with people who were hurting. 
Nowhere in Scripture do we read that he healed everyone. Now, he did many other signs, but I wonder if there was times when he knew that Father was going to take this person home, and Jesus just came, and he just hugged on him, and he just cried with him. Oh, Jesus had the power to go, be healed, but that wasn't in the Father's plan and the Father's will, and so Jesus just hugged, and he cried, and he said, I'm here. I'm here. Jesus wants us to love, guys. How about this? And here's where we get, here's where, why don't we just, you know, we hug people who are broken, we cry with people who are hurting, but how about we laugh with people who are on the same path as us? How about we laugh? I believe Jesus had a wonderful sense of humor, and I believe he had the disciples just cracked up all the time, and I think there are times, guys, when we can just laugh, and and we can just have a good time with people, and we get too serious. We get too wrapped up with everything that's going on in our lives, and sometimes we just need to laugh. We just need to laugh. And I think what Jesus wants to remind them is, hey, guys, and one more thing. When you look back at the events of tomorrow, right, because he's going to be crucified, he says, I think you need to understand that a true friend will be willing to lay his life down for others. And you go, now, whoa, 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 man, 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 man. How do you know that Jesus meant, might have said all that? Look at the next verse. Look at verse 13. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Did you, did you see that? I want you to look at that verse. Highlight that verse, guys. Put a smiley face around that verse. Here's what I would put. I would consider this an unselfie in a selfie world. You go, what do you mean? Look at the way the verse stands out, okay? What are we, today we're so, ex- we're, this is what everybody does, right? We have, we take selfies. That's what we do. Wait a minute. Click, click. Wait a minute. I mean, you just get out. But the verse tells us it's not a selfie. It's not not about you. This is an unselfie. What do you mean? Look at it again. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. One commentator said this, quote, the emphasis is not on friends, but on laying down his life for them. That is, quote, one can show no greater regard for those dear to him than to give his life for them and to, and this is the love that you shall find in me, unquote. In other words, here's what he's saying. Great, the greatest love a person can have for his friends is to give his life to them, for them. That's what Jesus is saying. And if you are a student of the Bible, Notice, it says, greater love has no one than this, comma, to, than to lay. You can underline that word because I want to show you something interesting. The word lay is in the verb aortis tense, and it means it's a fact. It's effectively and successively bringing about this action. You go, what does that mean? Guys, we are constantly, habitually should be laying down our lives for, our, for people, for our friends. It's not just a one-time thing. You know, the other day, I told Josh, I loved him, Amen. It's something that we can kind of do. Hey, man, you know, I gave Anthony a high five. It was cool. It was cool. That was it. But he doesn't. But I haven't talked to Anthony in eight years. No, he wants us to successfully and habitually and make sure that happens, lay down our lives. And as we do life together, that's what the word means. What do we call it at Calvary, guys? Loving people back to life. That's what we call it. Loving people back to life. Laying down. Guys, it takes sacrifice. It takes something from you. To be a friend takes something from you. That's why the Bible says in order to have friends, you need to be a friend. Because it's sacrifice. 
It's sacrifice. A sacrifice of what? Our life, our time, our energy, our money to see people alive in Christ again and to see people anew in Christ again. Guys, it takes sacrifice. Sometimes we go, I mean, I'll be a friend as long as I don't have to do anything with them. As long as I don't have to see them, I'll be your friend. Am I, come on, come on, help me out here. Isn't that what we do on Facebook? We've got a lot of friends, but they're really not. There are people that we go, hey, I'd like to know you. Hey, I'd like to see what you saw. I'd like to, I'd like to peer into your life a little bit. What are you doing there? So oh, there's a picture. Hey, what kind of food is that? But they're really friends. They're not really friends because friend will what? What did Jesus say? He says, you've got to be willing. You've got to be willing to lay down your life, to die with the implication of a voluntarily or willing action. In other words, just going, yep, yep, yep. That's what he says. And then he goes on in verse 14, guys. He says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not, do, does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. If you have a pencil handy and you're taking notes, I want you to circle the word for friends. Right? Jesus says, you are my friends. You go, what does that mean? In the Greek, guys, the implication is simple. The definition is a friend at court. Now, I'm not talking about you're going to court with your friend to try to be like, hey, he's innocent, right? That's not what he's talking about. It describes the inner circle around a king or an emperor. You go, what does it mean to? Well, in John chapter 3, verse 29, it actually refers to the best men at a wedding. Think about your best men at your wedding. That's what a friend is. It's the guy that was going to be with you, okay? And Jesus says, you are my friends, You are my friends. You're friends of the king. And the friends of the king, guys, would be so close to him, they knew everything about him. Yet, they would also be his servants and still want to obey his command. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? You know everything about the king, and you're still going, I still love you. I'll obey. I'll obey. You go, Ben, what does this mean? Well, guys, with the understanding... Guys, that we can be his friends as well as his bondservants. There's no conflict. Why? Because we understand, we understand the text. As friends, we must obey. We must obey. But he's not calling us servants. No, but we're servants because we love him. And he calls us friends. And as friends, we're going to obey him because we're still his servants. That's how awesome it is. Right? And then again, what does he say? Well, again, look at verse 14. He says, you are my friends if... You do, okay? Now, we know what if is, right? If is a marker of condition. It's called the dependent clause conjunction. You know, what does a dependent clause conjunction do? It links to what is said before to what is going to be said, okay? It just links the whole thing together. He says, you're my friend. Paul, you're my friend if, and he says, if you do, if you obey. So if is just strategically placed here as a dependent clause conjunction. I love it because what he's doing, he's linking to what he just said with what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do. He says, if you're my friends, you guys ready? Here's what he's saying. If you're my friends, I'm calling you friends, but if you're my friends, you'll obey whatever I command. And since we're at the level of friends, he says, no longer do I call you servants. We are now friends. We're more than acquaintances. Now, keep this in mind. His command for us is to exhibit and habitually, what? His love, to exhibit his love 
to one another, to one another. That's why the fruit has to be supernatural. We can't do it on our own. Why? Because I'm a selfie. I, I want to live. I'm selfish. I want me. I want to take care of me. And I don't really care about you. And, but it's when I'm connected to the vine that the Lord says, I need to care about you. You're my brother. You're my brother. You realize that Cain wasn't connected to the vine when, when he killed his brother Abel. He wasn't connected. Why? Because the Lord comes and God says, hey, Cain, yeah, where's Abel? I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? So he wasn't connected. Why? Because when he's connected to the vine, guys, and we go, oh, he's, he's, he's connected. We are our brother's keeper, okay? Because we're supposed to exhibit his love one to another. His love. His love. What does that mean? What does that mean in your life? It means sacrifice. You go, well, you know what? I'm, I need to, you know, there might, you might need to buy groceries. Or you might be able to say, hey, listen, I've got some money. I'm going to go buy some blankets for the homeless. You realize that they need socks too. That's one of the things that keeps coming up on my feed. It's like the homeless need socks. We need to do some socks for them. We need to get socks for them. But, but here's the point. The point is, is we don't want to do it so we can mark the check off. Calvary Chapel check. I just said, we want to do it because that's a command that Jesus said. He needs, we need to love people. And not only do we need to love the homeless, we need to love those in our neighborhood who have a home because they can be just as lost. We need to love those across the street, down the road, those that the Lord puts in our paths at work. That's what he's calling us to do, guys. That's what he's calling us to do, to exhibit his love, love one to another. Now, before we move on, note with me how the relationship progresses between us and the Lord. Why? In John chapter 13, he calls us servants. And now in John chapter 15, he says, no, you're not my servants, you're my friends. And in John chapter 20, he calls me brethren. Okay? So I move from servants to friend to family. From servants to friend to family. Look at verse 16. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And the fruit, right, and your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. And I go, wow, I want you to feel the weight of this verse. Jesus called and chose us. You're here because Jesus chose you. And then he appointed you. Appointed me for what? Remember, in context, to do God's will and loving people back to life and sharing the gospel message with them. I don't know if you understand this, right? He actually gave us our commission. He actually gave us our marching orders. We are commissioned for this task. Matthew 28, 18 and 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the day. That's our marching orders. That's what we should be doing. That's the fruit should be. We should be going out and be making disciples. We should be loving them, making disciples, telling them about Jesus, telling them. Guys, where did, where did we lose it? Where did we lose it? Where do we lose that, that just that wonderful, just love for God that we would tell people it didn't matter who it was? And you were smiling at people. They thought you were weird and you had an opportunity to share. Are you kidding me? This is Jesus. This is Jesus. Now, I understand all of you guys, man, on Facebook, you're, you're putting out scriptures and you're encouraging people. Hey, man, keep doing that. But as God brings people to your face, as God people one-on-one, tell them the love of Jesus. Guys, we, this is the greatest gift. Well, pastor, they're going to they're going to think I'm weird. They're going to they're going to they're going to I I might offend them. I'd rather you offend them and then go to heaven than not offend them and then go to hell. You don't have to ugly offend. You just say, "Listen, this is what God told God's, God's put it on my heart is that burden for you, man." So much more. So much more. 
And then in verse 17, he says, these things I command you. What is it, Lord? What are you trying to tell us? That you love one another. And Jesus, the third time, has reiterated this command. I command you. Guys, it's not just a suggestion. He's like, hey, if you get around to it, he's commanding us to love one another. You go, what does the word love mean? Well, I looked it up in the Greek, and it says to have love for someone or something based on sincere appreciation and high regard. To love, to regard with affection, to love that's what it keeps going on. Love, loving, concern, love. That's what we need to be doing. That's what we need to do, be doing, guys. The only way I can do that, guys, is unless the Lord changes my perspective on who people are. I need to realize that people are what? They're, they're made in the image of God, the Imago Dei. And once I see that, once I believe that, then I don't see, I don't see color. I don't see nationality. I don't see... We see, we see this, is a, this is someone that Jesus loved. This is someone Jesus died for. And what makes me so sad, guys, is that there are people who are living a very rough journey, a very rough life, only to die and be separated from God forever because I'm too proud not to just share the love of Jesus because I, I won't take a moment to say, hey, man, let's be careful, guys. Would I love you to invite people to church? Absolutely but I'd rather you share Jesus' love. I'd rather you share the love of Christ. Do we want him here? Yes, we'll love on him if they come here. You guys are loving. But if we have that opportunity, if we have that opportunity, when God gives you an opportunity to speak and to talk, think about it this way. Think about if you're talking to that one person and you said, and they were going to, they were going to perish the next day, what would you tell them different than if you just knew? If you just knew. And so again, let's have that Holy Spirit inside us to love, to love somebody, to have that affection. Okay, guys, let's close our Bible study with this. Let's close our Bible. Where did the, where did the chapter 14? It started out with a vineyard. It started out with a vineyard. And now this teaching is going to end with the Great Commission. Go, therefore, make disciples, love people. Hey, did I forget to tell you? Jesus told you to love people. Oh, did I tell you that you're going to be his disciple? You need to love people. If you go over to 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, he actually talks about love even more. If you really want to know what love is, you know, right? The old foreigner song, I want to know what love is. Hang out with John for a while. The dude's got it together. He knows what love is. Ah, Mel, you remembers that one. Mel remembers that one. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so again, it's the Great Commission. It's a Great Commission. Next week, guys, we're going to see that the playing field kind of is, is changed a little bit. It's a little bit different, right? It, we're, the, the battlefield has changed. Now, Jesus has been teaching us at our own in our own home our own home court, and he's going. To, well, next week, guys, you're going to be playing in the enemy's home court. You go. What is he going to talk about? He's going to talk about the world. He's going to say how the world is just going to influence you, and you got to be careful. That's the battlefield. That's the battlefield. Let me uh, draw your attention and focus you back to the message. Okay, the title message, guys. The title of this message was "You've Got a Friend in Me," and I know you're thinking Toy Story. That's probably where I got it, but nonetheless, think, think about it. You've got a friend in me. And that really is today's takeaway. You go, what do you mean? Guys, Jesus, our Jesus calls us friends. He says, I no longer call you servants. I'm going to call you friends. But does he really have a friend in us? Does he really have a friend in us? Are we, church, listen to me, are we willing to abide? Are we willing to stay put? 
as branches, are we willing to stay put? And as friends, are we willing to obey? Obey. Whatever life throws at you, be honest, be sincere, move forward, but stay connected to Jesus. Stay connected to Jesus. Guys, if we were to look at our lives today and do a heart check, are we a true friend of Jesus or are we just an acquaintance? Is he a true friend or is he an acquaintance? But I want to check my heart. Lord, am I, am I a true friend? Am I going to stay put through thick and through thin? Remember, an acquaintance are those who kind of know somebody slightly but they never made a commitment to be a true friend. Guys, my prayer today is that every one of us could stand before Jesus and say, you've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. Lord, I'm going to love you no matter what. I'm going to honor you no matter what, God. I'm going to respect you. I'm going to respect your word. I'm going to obey your word. I'm going to serve you as I serve this church. I'm going to serve you, and I will pray that as you call me friend, that I can be a friend to others, that I can be a friend to others. That's my prayer, guys, that the Lord, you've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me, and as the Lord, as I stay connected to that, then I can be a good friend, and I can be true friend to others, and I can love them back to life. You see, people will know, people will know that I am his disciple by the way I love them. By the way I love them. Amen? Father, thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. Thank you, God, that we can stay connected to you. Thank you, God, that you are the Lord of time and space. And thank you, God, for showing us that just nugget of truth to help us, God. Lord, Lord there are times in my life, honestly, that I need a Band-Aid verse. Band-Aids, are, they're, they're very practical, God. They, they help from being infected. But then there are times, Lord, I don't need a Band-Aid verse. I actually need you to come and heal and, and help me and, and, sell and, 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 and get me better. And so I thank you for that. Lord, I pray today that we could stand before you with all sincerity in our hearts and say, you've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. I love you, Lord. Thank you. It's in the beautiful name of Jesus we pray. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.